0: Chapter 3 of Book 6 of Les Miserables, Volume 2 by Victor Hugo. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ruth Golding. Les Miserables, Volume 2 by Victor Hugo. Translated by Isabel Florence Hapgood. Book 6 Le Petit Picpus. CHAPTER Three, AUSTERITIES One is a postulant for two years at least, often for four, a novice for four. It is rare that the definitive vows can be pronounced earlier than the age of twenty-three or twenty-four years. The Bernardines-Benedictines of martin Verca do not admit widows to their order. In their cells they deliver themselves up to many unknown macerations, of which they must never speak. On the day when a novice makes her profession, she is dressed in her handsomest attire. She is crowned with white roses, her hair is brushed until it shines, and curled. Then she prostrates herself, a great black veil is thrown over her, and the office for the dead is sung. Then the nuns separate into two files. One file passes close to her, saying in plaintive accents, "'Our sister is dead,' and the other file responds in a voice of ecstasy, "'Our sister is alive in Jesus Christ!' At the epoch when this story takes place, a boarding-school was attached to the convent a boarding-school for young girls of noble and mostly wealthy families, among whom could be remarked Mademoiselle de saint aulaire and de Bellisson, and an English girl bearing the illustrious Catholic name of Talbot. These young girls, reared by these nuns between four walls, grew up with a horror of the world and of the age. One of them said to us one day, "'The sight of the street pavement made me shudder from head to foot.' They were dressed in blue, with a white cap, and a holy spirit of silver gilt or of copper on their breast. On certain grand festival days, particularly St. Martha's Day, they were permitted, as a high favour and a supreme happiness, to dress themselves as nuns, and to carry out the offices and practice of St. Benoit for a whole day. In the early days the nuns were in the habit of lending them their black garments this seemed profane, and the prioress forbade it. Only the novices were permitted to lend. It is remarkable that these performances, tolerated and encouraged, no doubt, in the convent out of a secret spirit of proselytism, and in order to give these children a foretaste of the holy habit, were a genuine happiness and a real recreation for the scholars. They simply amused themselves with it. It was new, it gave them a change. Candid reasons of childhood, which do not, however, succeed in making us worldlings comprehend the felicity of holding a holy water-sprinkler in one's hand, and standing for hours together singing hard enough for four in front of a reading-desk. The pupils conformed, with the exception of the austerities, to all the practices of the convent. There was a certain young woman who entered the world, and who, after many years of married life, had not succeeded in breaking herself of the habit of saying in great haste whenever any one knocked at her door, For ever. Like the nuns, the pupils saw their relatives only in the parlour. Their very mothers did not obtain permission to embrace them. The following illustrates to what a degree severity on that point was carried. One day, a young girl received a visit from her mother, who was accompanied by a little sister three years of age. The young girl wept, for she wished greatly to embrace her sister. Impossible! She begged that at least the child might be permitted to pass her little hand through the bars, so that she could kiss it. This was almost indignantly refused. End of Book Sixth Chapter three Recording by Ruth Golding